Welcome back to the RAJ Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie J. And tonight, well, we're drinking a little bit, but I mean, we're more drinking, but uh, it's nothing special. I'm just letting everyone know. This time of year, every year, I get the same thing in October. In October, I get my pumpkin spice latte. Everybody want a PSL? Excuse me, Jennifer, you want a PSL? You know, I get tired of pumpkin being part of everything now. We've kind of lost our fucking minds in this country, haven't we? Pumpkin's part of everything now. You know, you want a spice latte? You want pumpkin on your cake? Uh, Get fucked. No, I don't want pumpkin on my fucking cake. Leave me alone with it. It's enough with the pumpkin already. All these spices and shit. Come on, man. And we can get through. We can get through in October without everything. Literally, look, look, look. If if you want your PSL, if you if you want to have some 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 fall treats, I don't care. You want candy corn, whatever the fuck you want to do. You want to go to Spirit Halloween and get some sort of fucking stupid shit that you're gonna keep in your fucking garage for the whole. Week. I don't care. Do whatever you want. This is your holiday too. You should have fun with it. But my thing is just everything doesn't need to be encompassing of of the silly shit. And the silly shit to me is just making everything pumpkin-based. Why do we need to do everything pumpkin? Think of the children. What are they going to think? They're going to grow up in a world full of pumpkins. And they're going to be like, it's November. I mean, good God. It's January. Where's the pumpkin spice latte? You know, get bent with that shit. Just everything is something, isn't it? I hate to see it. But so this episode is going to be a little bit of a different one, as it were, as you do. It's a little bit of a different one. Now, in a previous episode, I mentioned the England debacle, as I call it, or as I call the other thing that I call it is the incident, quote unquote. That's what I call it to Miss Pete, the incident. Now, what happened in the incident? Why am I the way that I am? (laughs) That's probably the question everybody wants to know. Why are you the way you are, Robbie J? Why are you such a dickhead cunt all the time? Well, I'll tell you, it didn't start, you know, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it it didn't start just in in space. It it became of something. Something occurred to make me the the biggest ass that I could be. Now, some would say I've always been an ass, but I think it's been moved to uh, notch of number 11 since I I left jolly good England. I mean, it's just part of the deal. So what exactly happened? I don't know if this will be a half hour story. I got to be honest, but I'm going to let the episode breathe, right? I'm going to let it be what it's going to be. And you're like, well, you're just padding time now. I'm really not. I'm going to tell you the whole story and you can tell me. Now, I'm not saying. Now, I want to caveat a couple of things with this, okay? The first thing I want to do is to say that I did, I made the mistake, right? And in previous episode, I mentioned that when something goes wrong, I own up to it. This is the story where I owned up to my mistake. I didn't, I didn't try and obfuscate it. I didn't try to, to lie about it or, or cheat and steal. I owned up to exactly what I had done, and it had dire consequences for me. But it was honest, and I told the truth. And you know what? I can sleep at night knowing I, tell, I told the truth. And I know a lot of people will, will say, well, that's just something that people say when they know their ass is against the wall and they, they got filleted. Okay. Well, I mean, true. I, I did. Certainly did. But 
in the same respect, I did do the right thing. And I'm, I'm proud of myself for doing that. So that's the one thing I can take away from this is that ultimately I did the wrong thing by doing the, ultimately I did the right thing by doing the wrong thing. And I'll explain. You're like, what the fuck is this? Can you just get to the story? Okay. I'm just giving you the build up, you big turd. But I want to say that at no point do I think that this is okay, what I did. Okay. We're going to talk about somebody else and what they did to me. And what they did to me, what I think is even worse than what I did. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> That's a meme now. Hindsight's twenty twenty. So, of course, it's easy for me to sit here and act like I know all the things that were going on. I really don't. But where do we start? Okay, so I'm going to take you back to the beginning of 2018. This was the beginning of the fall. So I had arrived in England in 2017, in May of 2017. I had one good year working in England, just one out of the three, almost three and a half that I had. Just one good year. That was it. All the rest were trash. And I know Miss Pete's going to roll his eyes and be like, they weren't all that bad. Okay, well, I mean, sure, perspective is everything. And my perspective is that it was that bad. So, I mean, what do you want from me? What do you, what do you want? What do you want, Miss Pete? So, anyway. So to set the scene, I work in an office environment. We have people from all over the place. Uh, we're, we're with, you know, I'm working with some some UK people. I'm working with uh, some Americans. So it's an integrated office, right? You have different perspectives, all kinds of people. Why does that help set the scene? Because it's just not a normal office environment you would find in the States. It's integrated. And what I mean by integrated is not integrated in a diverse way, integrated in a diverse way of like different countries. So... I had just completed a tour where I was a communications professional back in Maryland. Okay. So I come over to England and one of the things that communication professionals do, and, and law, a lot of them do this, even to, to this day, we write copious notes. It's just what we do. We're, we're note takers because we have to understand if you're going to write an article or write a news story, you have to understand what you're talking about. And you're not going to remember every little nuanced context that happens when you have a discussion with someone. So as such, we just write a lot of notes. We go into meetings, write notes all the time. So one of the things that, that, that comms people do is that what is included in their notes are little like you know, comments about people, right? Like we would just write, this is just an example. This wasn't the exact situation, but if someone was acting like a cunt in a meeting, I'd probably write something in my notebook and be like, what a fucking asshole or something to that effect. Right. I don't know why it's just, it's, I think it's more of a, a kind of a cathartic type thing to do. When you write something down, you don't have to say it anymore because you've written it down. It's like when people tell you, if you're ever upset with someone, you write them a letter. You write them a letter and tell them all the deep, dark emotions that you have and why they're a piece of shit. And then you take the letter, you print it out, and then you burn it. And that's the cathartic nature is just you got all your thoughts down and now you don't need to say any of it. You don't need to ruin anything because of that. So anyway, so that's just something that comms people do. They just write notes and they write a lot of ignorant notes about people that they're around that they hate. It's just true. So if you ever want to get the, the, the good dirt on someone, you just look at a comms person's notebook and you're going to get all the, all the trash about everybody's in there. I guarantee it. Um, so anyway, so we're, we're fast forwarding. So I started in 2017. We're fast forwarding to about January to February of 2018. 
And, you know, during meetings, I was doing the same thing that I had done for years. I mean, I had been a comms officer. I mean, I was, I was in a different role at the time, but comms officers were always writing people their shit. <clears throat> so, so I would like write like dumbass notes. One of the notes, this is literally what I had in my notebook. I wrote like a point system for someone. Someone was talking about something and I was like, oh, I'm going to give them, you know, I say 69 points of credit now, but it was like, I gave them 3000 cool points. Hey, good job. 3000 cool points for mentioning X, Y, and Z, right? Or if you're in Britain, X, Y, and Z. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so yeah, we'll write that down. So I gave like a point. So we were in a meeting one time and I just gave everyone a point system. If they made dumbass points, I gave them negative points. If they made really good points about something that was going on in the office, I gave them thousands of points. The, the rating system was meaningless. That's the joke. I mean, I know <laughs> later no one took it that way, but that was the joke. The joke was that it's a meaningless point system. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, you get points assessed for the dumbest of things. And that's kind of the, what the inside joke is. And you're like, well, who's the inside joke with? Well, with myself. I mean, <laughs> I had a good laugh with it. So stuff like that. And then, you know, making fun of people. There was this one, uh, this one person, his wife was the size of West Texas. I mean, literally, like she had her own planetary like field when she would step into a room. Now, it turns out nice people, right? I didn't give them the chance the the chance in hell to to get to know me at first. But we became uh I wouldn't say friends, but we were fairly fairly good acquaintances, fairly good work friends is probably a good way to term it by the end of my tour. But you know, his his wife was massive. I mean, you know, and that's just what I'm noticing and she would always like do fat people things, if that makes sense. Like she would come to work in a scooter, but she was like eight times bigger than the scooter, so the so she would <laughs> the scooter was riding her, <laughs> that kind of shit. She was planetary. And, that, you know, that's not nice, of course. I mean, I'm not saying any of this is nice. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that this, any of this makes me look great. I'm just telling you what I would write in my notebook. So I write shit like that. Um, we had this guy at work, and I thought that this is the one thing I, I don't agree with, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But he looked exactly, and I mean it, if you... If you took uh, President Obama and you made him white, this is what this guy looked like. He looked like a white Barack Obama. Now, to some that's offensive, but to me it's not offensive. I'm being dead, dead serious. He looked exactly like Obama. It was actually kind of scary, but he was white. So that was kind of funny. So I read that. One time I wrote that down in my notebook. I was like, white Obama. This, this big tall bitch up in here with this silly shit. Where's, where's Michelle? Anyway, <clears throat> so just stuff like that. And I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I would write various notes. I don't even know what the hell was it. Probably not, not like deepest, darkest thoughts. Like I didn't write anything about like, like vaginas or anything. It's nothing, nothing sexual, right? Like I'm not writing about, oh man, a uh, uh, girl came in. She had some big tits. <laughs> oh shit. It's nothing like that. It was just commentary on how much assholes people were. That's basically, I mean, if, if you listen to any of the podcasts, you know that off the bat, that this is a podcast focused on how people are assholes. That's really, and you're like, well, you're an asshole. Okay, well, it takes one to know one, doesn't it? So anyway, 
So that's kind of a commentary that I write in there. It's nothing sexual. It's nothing like that. It's not talking about people's bodies other than the fat person. It's just basically calling people out for their horseshit. That's what I do. Now, instead of writing it now, I just tell it to your face. That's the difference. I, I'm a little bit more diplomatic. I wouldn't go up to somebody and be like, you know what? You're a white Obama. I wouldn't say that. But I would say, you know, you really remind me of President Obama with your mannerisms and stuff. like. That. I mean, I find a diplomatic way of saying it. But he looked just like him, but he was white, which is kind of weird. You can ask Miss Pete. It's true. He looked like Barack Obama. So anyway, so during this time, there was a uh, another employee that I worked with, not closely, but he was in a whole heap of trouble for a whole bunch of things. We're going to call him, for lack of a better term, I think we're going to call him Kurt. And Kurt was just... He was a terrible leader. He, w- he was just terrible at his job. He was a snake. Um, he was literally the wolf in sheep's clothing. He was an absolute piece of shit. Everybody hated his guts. Everybody thought he was fake and fucking cringy. Um, he made people feel uncomfortable because they felt like he was making like sexual innuendos for them. Like one time uh, he talked about somebody stripping down to their knickers. Now, knickers are panties from, you know to the English people. So saying that kind of stuff as a supervisor, not really appropriate. And he was involved with some other things, which I'm not going to get into in this because, you know, I've just heard them anecdotally. I'm just going to talk about the things I knew that he did or things that I knew for sure that he said, but he was honestly just an all around cunt. It's just what he was. And I mean, I had jokes about him and stuff. I used to call it like, uh, one of the things I did was I did a commercial in my bathtub one night I was fully clothed. Calm down. Although <laughs> any of you ladies out there <laughs> anyway, but I did a, a, one in my, what was my shower? It was a stand up shower and I was fully clothed. And I always made a joke that Kurt had like a cum shampoo and he would just, <laughs> these jokes probably don't land. It just had to be there. It was Kurt's cum shampoo and I was using it and it was on my ear. Like, you know, like, uh, what was, what was, <laughs> I can't, I can't. It was like that one movie with Ben Stiller. I can't uh, marry something about Mary. Yeah, that's it. Where he had a little bit extra on his uh, on his ear, and she used it as a, a fucking you know stuff for her hair. Anyway, anyway, Joe, hair Joe, excuse me. Um, so you know there were jokes about about Kurt and how much of a piece of shit he was, stuff like that. So. Things got to a head and he was eventually removed from that position in about May of 2018, maybe a little bit earlier than that. So they sought a replacement and uh, my manager at the time, um, we'll call her the portfolio. The portfolio came over to me and she said, listen, I think this would be a really a, a career enhancing thing for you. You're looking to move up as far as your uh, your your compensation's concerned. She was like, I really think this would be a good role for you. It would be a good transition. It's more responsibility. You know, uh, Kurt had a certain level and I think that you could probably attain that level if you stuck in that job. It's just, it's a good move for you. It's a good, a good, it's not a lateral move, but it's a good move that'll kind of push you up and, and get you a little bit more notoriety, notoriety, a little bit more FaceTime. Now the notoriety piece, she was right about that. Um, a little bit more FaceTime, stuff like that. And it, it'll advance your career. So I said, okay. So I applied for it. I, I interviewed for it. I got it. Um, <clears throat> I took over for him. And in the transition period where he was, he had been, as I said, he had been removed from the role. He and I would work together on kind of learning the ins and outs of the, of the portfolio 
from the portfolio <laughs> and uh, from Kurt himself. And we would all sit in the meeting. We talked, but it was always contentious because he hated me. I hated him. His team hated his guts, but his team loved me. So he had a lot of animosity there. Now the team would come to hate me too, because they were just assholes. But at the time I was just seen as the new and up and coming and they were just excited to have someone different in the role. So they just hated his guts. Now, to be fair to him, which I probably shouldn't be because he's a piece of shit and I hope he rots in hell. But to be fair to him, what happened was, you know, he got a little bit jealous, in my opinion, of, of things that he had seen. And he didn't like the fact that they had just accepted me with open arms and that he probably had to work his way to get to a point where they just tolerated him. But they always hated his guts because they just thought he was a swarmy piece of shit. Now, to be fair, he was a swarmy piece of shit. They called it exactly as it was. He was a fucking, uh, just a, the snakiest snake you've ever fucking seen in your life. So <clears throat> I step into the role and I, I just wasn't nice to him because he was, he didn't like me. He just didn't like me and I didn't like him. So I was like, fuck this guy. I don't owe you anything. You're a big piece of shit. So somehow I left a notebook that I had wrote all these nasty things in. I had left it on my desk. It just, I used it. I went to meetings. I just leave it around. Now, in our particular culture at work, you should be allowed to leave your notebook on your desk and not have anyone scan through it. But he was a swarmy piece of shit. So one night, um, he went through my notebook. And you're like, well, how do you know he went through your notebook? Well, I'll get to that in a minute. So he went through my notebook, flipped through it, didn't like the things that he had seen. So how I knew he got my notebook was that he photocopied it. So he took it to one of the photocopiers. He photocopied a lot of the pages in there. And he stuck it in a notebook that he had created. Now, I won't go through every little detail, but the notebook that he had created was discovered with all the photocopies in it. One of the people on my team came over to me and said, you need to look at this, opened it up, and I saw photocopies of my notebook in addition to other things that were in there, in addition from, to other people who had, uh, who had written things that he had photocopied and done, done some stuff. So feeling that I should just be honest about it. What I did was I took it to management. I just did. I didn't just, uh, what I could have done is that I could have taken all of my notebooks. I could have taken that entire folder and I could have destroyed all of it, but I didn't do that. So what I decided to do was I went to my, uh, to our security people and I said, listen, I think that this guy is doing some bad stuff. I said, here's a notebook. It has a whole bunch of photocopies. He actually went into my physical space and looked at material that I had created and he photocopied it. And I was like, you know, I, I really, I think that even though this stuff looks unfavorable to me, I think that the bigger issue here is that we have someone who is, is literally going through people's desks and stuff. So they took it and that was the end of the end of what I heard about it for a week. <laughs> so a week later, and I remember the date, May 15th, 2018, D-Day. <laughs> I was called into uh, one of our chief's offices, the big chief. Well, he was the second from the top. I go into his office. Um, he's not there. He's, he's in another location. And the portfolio... My boss, she tells me, she was like, uh, there are, you know, it's going to be a, uh, a video teleconference. They're going to dial in and they need to speak to you about something. I said, okay. So <clears throat> sitting in, in this guy's office and waiting for the phone call, 
And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I wonder if I'm getting an award or something. Oof, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> um, so sitting there and then the the uh, the screen comes on and then I see the two people I know and I greet them both by name. Uh, the, the first one who is the, the boss that works with me, uh, he's, he's nice about it. He says, hey, hey, Rob, how you doing? I'm like, good, how are you? And then I go to my the the second boss, who is the chief of the entire organization. Um, she's the number one. And I said, hey, hey, how you doing, Stinky? And she said, nothing. She just looked at me. She kind of glared at me. And I was like, okay. Um, and I said, are you doing all right? And she was like, well, this really isn't a conversation about how I'm doing. I just want to be straight about it. So then proceeded from there to pretty much rip me apart as a human being. Now... What had happened was, as I said, the notes that I had transcribed over my however long it was, I mean, I probably had that notebook, that particular one, for six months. Um, so the notes that that had been photocopied were not in the best light for me, right? I mean, all, all the, from, a, now I have to take it from her perspective, which is she's the chief of the organization and all she sees are these ignorant ass scribbles from some asshole. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, being in her shoes, I get it, right? You're just like, who the fuck does this guy think he is making these comments? Now, some of the things she said I didn't agree with at all. But what are you supposed to do? I mean, you know, I mean, to be fair, I turned it in. Like, I, I did it. I got myself into the space. So without the context, though, some of the notes did look really bad. So one of the things that she pinged on was the white Obama. And she was like, there's racist things in this book. And I took umbrage with that. That was the one thing she said where I... You know, I sat there the whole time. I didn't say anything. I just listened to what they said as they pretty much eviscerated me. Um, but the one one comment that she made was, and there's even racist things in here. And I was like, I would like, I said, excuse me, ma'am, but I would like some clarification on what you think is racist in this notebook. And she said, this comment about white Obama. And I honestly, my gut reaction was to laugh, but, and, or to explain myself. And I, I really didn't. I mean, what are you supposed to say in that situation? If she took it as a racist comment, which it wasn't, but whatever. If she took it as a racist comment, how, I mean, perception's reality. So that's what she thought it was. She thought it was racist. And I mean, I don't think comparing someone's looks to Obama is racist to me. To me, it says, you're a pretty good looking guy. You just happen to be white where Obama's black. That's the difference. And that's the only, that you know, some people be like, no, that's not really what you meant. Yeah, it is. Literally. I mean, the guy was dopey. I mean, he was a big dope, but he looked like fucking Obama. I'm telling you, I'll take that to my grave. I don't care who believes me. So she pinged in on that. That was the only time where I was just like, I'm not listening to that. That's not racism, but okay. I mean, if, if you find the N word in my book, sure. Okay. But none of that was in there. As I said, there was no sexual content. There was no racism. None of that. It was just like ignorant quips about people. So you know, and she was like, and you created this entire point system. <laughs> I mean, some of these things in retrospect are pretty funny. I mean, not for the big boss to understand that you that you did something stupid, but from a from a purely uh, comedian showcase, it's pretty fucking funny that she was just like, <laughs> you've created an arbitrary point system. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, I did. Um, so anyway, so she she just it just completely eviscerated me. It was it wasn't pretty. It was not nice. Um, but I mean, you know, as time has gone on and I've put myself in her shoes, I mean, what was she supposed to say? Really? I mean, you have this guy you don't know him. She knew me kind of, but not really. And and you know, this notebook falls into your lap. 
And you're, what are you supposed to think about the person who wrote in it? Probably not good things. And that was kind of it. So that was kind of the end of my career there, per se. Um, I don't want to act like it was the end of the world. It wasn't. It was hard coming back to work because I didn't take any days off. Um, you know, I got I did get accolades from that. Both both her and the the gentleman that I reported to, the the top two bosses. I mean, they came to me, it was some weeks later, and they said, you know, we were really impressed that you didn't take time off or you didn't quit or you just kind of just rolled with the punches and just said, I'm just going to make it better. And I mean, that's when I told him. That's when I told the, the boss, I said, listen, I'm a lot of things, but a quitter is not one of them. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to do it. Even if you think I'm the biggest piece of shit on earth, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's what I did. So I spent the next two and a half, I mean, I'd never really accomplished anything, sure. But that pretty much set the tone for the rest of my tour there. So that's why, you know, when people ask me, well, how with England? I'll be like, well, I loved England, but the uh, the job was miserable. And it was because it was self-induced. Now, you know, I, I've had people come to me since and they said, well, would you do the same thing? Would you turn yourself in? Absolutely, yes. And the reason I say yes is that I think that what, what that gentleman did with that notebook was the bigger crime, in my opinion. Now, it's my opinion. It's easy for me to sit here and say that. But what, I, what he did to go through people's desks or wherever he got it from, even if it was on top of my desk, it's still my property. For him to go through my stuff and rifle through it and read all of my notes to try and get evidence on me, like he didn't have anything. on. He's just trying to get me on something, right? Because he doesn't like me. Now, he succeeded, sure. But in the same respect... I, I thought that he should have been the one in trouble, not me. But did he get in trouble? No. No. I mean, I think it was addressed. But uh, for as far as I know, as far as what I've heard through my contacts, nothing was really ever done to him. Now, he got other punishments for other activities that he had done, which were inappropriate. But for this particular situation, nope. Never got in trouble for it. But, I, you know, I talk about this sometimes, and, and I mentioned in the previous podcast and when I talk to my kids, um, doing the right thing is never easy. And it's always easier to take the, it's always easier to take the low road. It's always easier to hide evidence and all this kind of stuff. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that she actually said to me in the meeting was like, um, well, no, it was actually after that. So after I had the meeting, I went back to my desk and I went through all of my notebooks and I threw all of them into the trash. I got rid of everything, all of it. I didn't know what else I had written. I didn't want anybody else to be photocopying my shit. So I got rid of all of it. So in a, in a subsequent meeting to that, she actually asked me, she said, I want to see all of the notebooks you had. I said, I threw them all away. She said, well, why would you do that? I said, because I didn't know what was in there. I didn't want him to photocopy anything else. And she said, well, isn't that hiding evidence? I said, ma'am, if I wanted to hide evidence, we would have never had this conversation in the first place. I said, I self-reported, if you remember. I'm the one who self-reported this. I brought it to the attention of our security people. If I was only caring about what I looked like, I would have never done that. I said, but I didn't know what else there could have been that he could go through. I said, there could have been nothing in those notebooks. I didn't go through them and look for bad things and tear out pages. I said, I just literally grabbed them all up and threw them away, all of them. And she was, I think, I mean, to her credit, she didn't give me any hard time after that because I think the point was clear. I had self-reported. So, I mean, I was already in trouble. It didn't really much matter. So, 
anyway, so from that incident, I mean, I learned a, a lot of valuable life lessons, which was you don't write anything down. I mean, everybody will tell you that. Oh, it's the Washington Post test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, as a comms professional, it's just what we did to vent. But it was it an appropriate way to vent. No, clearly not. Um, so I don't write anything in my notebooks anymore. I don't do that. Um, if, if I have a problem with somebody, I just keep it to myself or I come home and I bitch about them. That's the best way to deal with it. And it's also about maturity. I needed to mature a little bit. I was a little bit of a, a silly kid, I guess. You're like, well, this is only five years ago. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> even still, I just did some dumb things and it was five years ago. Um, but ultimately walking away from the situation, I, I feel like I could, I could hold my head up high because I feel like I did the right thing in the end. Uh, by self-reporting, by not skirting the blame. I just took my lumps. I just, I literally just let them talk. I didn't give my, give them any excuses. I mean, there was context there, right? I could have explained myself. I could have been like, well, the point system was just a way for me to say that they did a good job. Because that's true. But in the moment, they don't really want to hear that. They just want you to just shut up and just take it. So that's what I did. The only thing I explained was, well, I didn't even really go into it too much, was the white Obama thing. But you know, later, later content or later times that I had spoken to the, the guy that was above me, the boss, I did mention it to him. I just said, you know, it's not a racist thing. He just, he, if you look at him and I said, I'll stand by it. He looks like Obama, bro. Just give me that. (laughs) That's all I asked for. Just, just give me that. And he was like, okay. But anyway, so that's my story of England and how it all went to hell. If you have any questions, you can always email me at number one at gmail.com. But that kind of gives you, the, it's, a, it's a brief overview. There's a lot more intricacies than that. But that set the tone for my entire tour there. And it took me a long time to dig out from it. But honestly, and as I've told the kids many a times, if you do something, you fucking own up to it. Don't be like everybody else because everybody else will hide evidence. Everyone else will do what's best in their own interest. I, th- I think it's the people, and you know, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I think it's the people who do the right thing that, that ultimately shine. And I think, honestly, I gained a lot of respect from a lot of people there for what I did. Again, not tooting my own horn, but it's important. I appreciate y'all listening. This has been Robbie J at the RIJ Podcast. Enjoy your Thursday. Cheers.